This is week one of our um, focus on making him known. For the previous five weeks, what have we been focused on? We have been focused on knowing him. Now we're gonna be shifting our focus to making him known. Um, But here's the truth. Uh, Even though we're gonna be focused on this for five weeks, guys, here's the truth. Um, Making him known is worth far more than a one-month campaign. It is worth far more than a two-year church project. Making him known is worth our entire lives, isn't it? Making him known is worth our entire lives. We've been emphasizing the question of what are you gonna do with your dash? What are you gonna do with that little dash that represents your lifetime between your birthday and your death day? What are you gonna do to live an unwasted life? I don't know about you, but if I go to my grave knowing with a clean conscience, Lord, I've lived to make you known, I know that I have lived my life for a meaningful purpose. And that's what we've been focused on for the past couple weeks. Knowing him and making him known It's why we're here. Now, as the ushers have given you this little booklet, um, guys, I'm really really happy about this thing, okay? Uh, You know, we put a lot of time and effort into it. Our church, like, volunteer team, our communications team, man, if you get to interact with somebody who's on the comms team, give them a big hug because they cranked this bad boy out in a very short amount of time. So very grateful for what came out here. Um, Everything turned out great. There are eight grammatical errors in the book. So... um, I'm just messing with you, but I know some of you guys were about to go, where's Waldo, and try to like find it all on here somewhere, right? Like, um, you know, we, uh, we, what we really want this to do, we, we want this to be far more than a informational packet, okay? This isn't just providing you information about a building campaign. In fact, let me say this. Uh, I would like the phrase building campaign to be considered a cuss word for like the next few uh, months in our church. Because here's why. In fact, if I hear you say building campaign, I'm going to come to your house and we're going to put you under church discipline, okay? Because this, in all sincerity, like if all we view this as is a building campaign, then it's just going to be very, it's going to be far like short-sighted of what we're hoping to accomplish here. Make Him Known is an invitation for every single person in our church to join in God's mission, to do whatever God calls you to do to make him known throughout the world. Yes, it includes a financial commitment. Yes, it includes building some new facilities. But guys, here's the thing. If somebody showed up tomorrow and wrote us a check for $4.5 million and said, hey, I'm gonna pay for it all, we wouldn't be done. We would still ask our church to make him known and be wholeheartedly committed to doing so. I feel deep in my bones that this is the right thing for us to do as a church, regardless of how much financial giving comes in, whether it's short or exceeds our goal, it's the right thing for us to be a people committed to making him known. Now, in this booklet, let me just give you a few little details. This booklet is laid out really nice. Um, The first half of the booklet is basically information about the campaign. You can, in the first half, basically pages one through 50 or so, you'll see things like where we've been as a church, where we are as a church, where we're going. You'll see things about the building design, some renderings with some drawings in there. You'll see some financial goals and some explanation. And then there's a commitment card at the very end that, um, is, that we're going to be presenting to each of you. So each of you guys, you need to know this. Yes, we will eventually be asking our church to make a financial commitment toward this whole push for Make Him Known. Here's the thing. I, don't, I just don't want to be, like, afraid to talk about that. I, in ministry, I've been very straightforward with you guys about finances of our church. And here's why, guys. It's because discipleship involves finances. 
in order to be a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ, that means releasing control of our wallet to the Lord Jesus and using our resources for his glory. So eventually, we are going to be asking you guys to make a financial commitment. I want it to be clear with you. We're not going to ask anybody in this church to give a certain dollar amount. We're not going to ask you. High pressure is not in our, like, our uh, culture as a church. But here's what we are asking you to do. We're asking 100% of our church to give 100% of whatever God leads you to give. 100% of us giving 100% of what God leads us to give. That's what we're hoping for. Now, you know, in this booklet, the second half of the book is much different. Basically, starting on page 50 or so, um, you'll see that this turns into a weekly guide. And in this weekly guide, it really kind of directs us to be unified in our prayer, unified in our Bible study, unified in our thinking over the next five weeks. There are daily prayer prompts laid out for every day in the month of October. Um, there are resources for families to work through with your children. There are um, spots, there are assignments for you to do every week. Like we believe that actionable steps for every member of our church are really helpful, so you'll see those. And then, of course, there are these nice little spots uh, where you can take Sunday sermon notes every single Sunday, right? So that's there for you. So here's what I'm asking you. I am asking you to use this booklet every day and bring it every Sunday, right? Use this booklet every day and bring it with you every Sunday for this month. And I think the Lord will use this as a unifying tool to get us all focused in the same direction over the course of this month. So speaking of those notes for, those pages for notes for your sermons, I would like to ask you to open your little booklet to page 52. Page 52 is where you can take sermon notes from today and you can see it right there. Boom, this is where we're going. You can have that. Um, so, today we're going to be focusing on the heartbeat behind Make Him Known. What's the heart underneath all this? The heartbeat behind all this is the Great Commission. It's Matthew chapter 28. So, if you have your Bible, you can turn there in your Bible, Matthew 28. That's where we're going to be today for this text. And today I want to talk to you about making Christ known missionally. Making him known missionally. Now, what do I mean by that? What do I mean by making him known missionally? You know, for every sermon in this series, we've answered three questions. What do we mean by a certain discipleship characteristic? You know, why is it important? And how are we going to pursue it? So when we talk about missionally today, the first question that we're going to answer is, what does it mean? What are we talking about? But when we get done with this sermon, there's one big idea that I hope that all of us understand and believe in the bottom of, from the bottom of our hearts. Guys, for us to be a wholehearted disciple of Jesus Christ, we must make him known missionally. That's the big idea. To be a wholehearted disciple of Jesus Christ, you must make him known missionally. All right, now, we're going to look at Matthew 28, focusing on verse 18 through 20. But like every passage, we need to remember the context before we get into the text. So let me just remind you of what's kind of going on here. In Matthew 28, Jesus is meeting with his 11 disciples. These are the disciples who have done life with him from the beginning of his ministry since he called them. They've seen him heal the sick, raise the dead. They've seen him pray in the garden. They've been with him when he wept. These are the disciples who are with him. They are the same disciples who also ran away from him when he got arrested, and they became afraid that they too might get arrested. They know that Jesus received a mistrial. 
They know that Jesus endured a crucifixion. They know that Jesus had raised from the dead, right? These are the same men who had just heard from uh, some women who had seen the resurrected Christ that Jesus was made alive. And so now they're meeting him in Galilee right after he had just resurrected from the grave. Guys, imagine if that was you, right? Like, what would you say? What would you think Jesus would say to you in that moment when he's seeing you after his resurrection? Let's find out what he says. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. The scripture says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Guys, praise God for his word. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but what? The word of the Lord remains forever. Praise God for his good word. All right, making him known missionally. Let's get into our three questions. What does it mean? When we talk about making him known missionally, what are we talking about? Missional is kind of a buzzword right now among Christian leadership circles, isn't it? We want to have missional churches, and we talk about missional movements, and we talk about, you know, being missional Christians. Guys, here's what we mean. Here's the simple definition. Making him known missionally means taking the gospel to the unreached and making them into disciples of Jesus Christ. Taking the gospel to the unreached and making them into disciples of Jesus Christ. This is exactly what Jesus calls the disciples to do in Matthew 28 in our text. What did Jesus say to them in verse 18 of our text? All authority in, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now what's the action word? Go, right? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Now, at the risk of being like Captain Obvious up here on the stage, all right, here's the thing. Jesus did not tell his disciples to stand still and do nothing. Jesus did not tell his disciples to wholly huddle up and, you know, just kind of stay here forever. Jesus told them that eventually in Acts 1-8 that the power of the Holy Spirit would come upon them and then they were to go. They were to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, right? Jesus told them here in the Great Commission to go. And in their going... Wherever they may be going, he wanted them to be intentional about reaching people who don't yet know Christ and making them into disciples who do know Christ. He wants to see them taught to obey everything Jesus commands and be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Let me say this very carefully and very clearly for everybody in this room who considers yourself part of the church. Listen, guys, Jesus did not call the world to come to the church. Jesus called the church to go to the world, okay? This is what we mean by being missional. Making Jesus known missionally means taking the gospel to the unreached and making them into disciples of Jesus Christ. So that's the definition of our term. Now, let's talk about why this is important. That's our second question for today. Why is this important? The reality is, guys, whole books have been written on this. Just preparing for this sermon, guys, there's so much that could be shared here. I have 20 pages of notes, okay? I have to boil it down to six pages in order to get us out of here on time so that you guys come back next week. But here's the thing. Guys, I want to look at Matthew 28, and I just want us to see two reasons, two very important reasons why this is important for us to live lives where we make him known. The first reason is because of Jesus' claim to have all authority. Because of Jesus' claim to have all authority. Jesus says go, but then... 
what's, you guys who have your Bibles open or you just have the verse memorized, what's the word that comes right after the word go? Anybody with me? Go, therefore. All right? Go, therefore. Now, anytime you see the word therefore in Scripture, it's really important that you pay attention to why it's there, right? You want, you, there's been something said previously that is very important that leads to someone saying the word therefore. Well, what had Jesus previously said leading up to this therefore? Here's what he had previously said. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore. All authority in heaven and earth. Jesus is emphasizing his authority. He's saying, I have sovereignty and power and dominion. I have, had it, I have it in the heavens and I have it on the earth. And let me make something very clear to you. Don't be confused about this. Jesus didn't just get authority after he had resurrected from the grave. Jesus has had authority all along from the very beginning of his ministry. Jesus had authority. He spoke with authority when he was teaching in the synagogues in the temple. Jesus disciplined with authority when he cleansed the temple from the money changers. Jesus acted with authority when he performed miracles and drove out demons and healed the sick. Jesus judged with authority when he looked at a sinner and said, your sins are forgiven. Listen, Jesus had been demonstrating his authority throughout his entire ministry. You guys tracking with me on this? This is important for us to understand. Church family, Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. Listen, there's no warfare going on in the heavens over which Jesus isn't sovereign. There's no circumstance going on in the earth where Jesus loses control, right? He has all authority in heaven and on earth. Every bit of authority, all authority. Guys, let me make it very clear to you. The authority that Jesus has is an authority over Satan and sin. The authority that Jesus has is over Michael and the heavenly angels. The authority he has is over Satan and wicked demons. The authority that he has is over every creature and all of creation. The authority that he has is over his church, over this church, and over every oppressor and opposer of the church. The authority that he has is over every national leader, every government figure, and every national figurehead. The authority that he has is over you and over me and over every person who has ever lived on this earth. That is why one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. All authority has been given to him. Now, why am I emphasizing this? Here's why. Because authority is directly tied to our call to obey the Great Commission. We know that this passage is often referred to as the Great Commission, right? I think it's just important to remember here that the Great Commission is a command, right? It is a, it is a command to go on mission. Guys, this is not the great suggestion. This is not the great option for the Christian. This is the Great Commission. The problem is, is that many churches turn it into the Great Omission, because we get so busy doing church life and we forget about making disciples. Jesus gave us the Great Commission. He is our authoritative Christ. This should be motivation enough for us to live out the Great Commission. But here's what I want you to see today. Listen, the more authority someone has, the more serious disobedience becomes. The more authority that someone has, the more serious our disobedience becomes. So let me just give you a quick story. So when my dad was a kid, my dad tells the story. He tells it to my kids, which sometimes I wish he wouldn't do, but he does it anyways. 
when my dad was a kid, he and his friends used to take their BB guns and they would just run around in the backfields and they would just shoot each other with their BB guns, <laughs> right? Like, I, you know, I don't know. They were tougher in the old days, I suppose, right? Like, <laughs> back in the, in the Old Testament when my dad was a kid, you know, whatever. Um, I hope my dad doesn't listen to this. Uh, <laughs> actually, I hope he does, Dad. I love you. Um, so, you know, what would happen? You know, you shoot each other with a BB gun. People would say, stop. You know, parents would scold them. Don't do that. And, you know, my dad would just kind of disregard. And, yeah, he'd get in a little bit of trouble. But at the end of the day, it wasn't that big of a deal. We are sitting here chuckling about it today. Now, imagine this. Imagine if the president of the United States came by and my dad pulled out his BB gun and acted like he was going to shoot. All right, whoo, yeah, we're talking about some serious trouble at this point. Guys, what changed? Right, the action didn't change. It's still shooting a BB gun at another person. Here's what changed, the level of authority. The more authority someone has, the more serious our disobedience becomes. So if disobedience is that big of a deal when the authority changes from a guy to a president, how much more so does it become serious when we're talking about disobedience to the king of kings and the lord of lords, the god of the universe? Guys, if we do church, but we don't make disciples, we're not just kind of off track on ministry. We are radically disobedient as believers of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live in disobedience. I want to be a disciple that's obeying the Lord Jesus. I want us to be a church full of disciples obeying the Lord Jesus. Making him known missionally is important because of Jesus' claim to have all authority. All authority. That's one reason. Second reason why it's important to live missionally, by taking the gospel and making disciples, it's because of Jesus' care for unreached people. It's because of Jesus' care for unreached people. Verse 18, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. Guys, who's the, the, who's the them, right? Who's the them that are to be taught to obey? Who's the them that are to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit? The them is the nations. The nations. This, this isn't nations like geopolitical kind of blobs on a map that have some boundaries like that we would think of today when we were looking at a, a global map. That, when Jesus says the nations here, in the original language, this is the word ethne. And the word ethne means all the peoples, the people groups of the world. The ethne are the, the various tribes, tongues, and nations of people that Revelation 5 and 7 promises are gonna, are, are gonna be sitting around the, the, the throne of God worshiping the lamb who was slain. Right? These are the ethne, the peoples of the world. The message of Christ, Jesus is telling his disciples who were Jewish, he's saying the message of the Messiah is not just for the Jews. He's saying it's for all the nations. It's for all people, all ethnic groups in all places around the world. In other words, Jesus wanted his disciples to make disciples of all people who weren't yet his disciples. Guys, there are 7,000 people groups on the planet right now who are considered unreached. There's a ministry called the Joshua Project who tracks global missions efforts around the world very meticulously. 7,000 people groups who are considered unreached. That means less than 2% of their population uh, are in somehow, some way involved in the worship of Christ. 4,000 of those 7,000 are people groups that are totally unengaged. What that means is, to our knowledge, there's not a 
Jesus-loving, Bible-believing church in that area at all among those people? 4,000. So being missional means reaching those nations, those ethne, those people groups who have not yet heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. But unreached people all throughout the world, they're not just overseas, right? There are, there are unreached people right here in our community. Guys, there are almost 170,000 people living in Greene County. Let me just give you some local statistics, okay? 170,000 or so people living in Greene County. 45,000 of those live in Beaver Creek. Guys, when they did the last national census, well, two national censuses ago, 2010, that was the last time they asked any questions about people's religious affiliation. 64% of the people in Greene County claimed to have no religious affiliation. 64%. 36% of people claimed to be religious, just religion of, of any sort. 15% of those, 36%, 15% of them considered themselves Christians. And that's generic, kind of, you know, overarching Christian. Catholic, uh, evangelical, Latter-day Saints, just kind of Christians. Guys, let's just assume that all 15% of those who claim to be Christians are actually Christians. It's very unlikely, but let's just assume that's true. What that means, guys, is that there are 143,000 people in Greene County who are lost. 143,000. That means there are approximately 38,000 people in Beaver Creek who are lost. 38,000. Guys, they need to know Christ. They need to know Christ. Therefore, what do we want to do? We want to make Christ known. We want to be a church that makes him known. Making him known missionally is important because of Jesus' care to reach unreached people. Now, how are we going to pursue it? How are we going to pursue it? Let's get into our last question for today and bring this home for some very specific application and vision casting for our church. How can we make him known missionally? We're going to talk about it at the individual level and also at the collective level as a church. But individually, here's what you're going to see over the next couple years in our church. We're going to really emphasize personal evangelism and personal disciple making in our church. Personal evangelism and personal disciple making. This is a burden on my heart, and I'll tell you why. Because when I look at University Baptist Church, I cannot tell you how thankful my family is for this church. I, cannot thank you, I can't tell you how glad I am for the people of our church. We as a church are strong in many areas. We love each other well. We, we love to be together in community. We respond well whenever there are needs and acts of compassion that need to be done. Uh, I believe that we are a church that holds the Bible very seriously and takes God's word um, you know, uh, we ha have a high regard for God's word. I believe we're growing as a people of prayer. But here's the thing. I believe that our church is weak in the area of personal evangelism. I believe that our leadership is weak in the area of personal evangelism. And I think God wants to grow us there. I'm not painting with too broad of a brush. Some of you guys are like gospelicious fireballs, man. You want everybody to know Jesus, okay? But like, for the most part, I think a lot of us, I, I wonder if I asked you, hey, when's the last time you have clearly shared the gospel with somebody who's lost. Maybe some of you would have an answer. I know for me, I'm like, I have to think about that because so much of my life is spent doing ministry with people who are already believers. Guys, for the next couple years, there's gonna be an emphasis on us 
being zealous with the gospel, reaching the lost. You're gonna have opportunities to be trained on how to share your testimony and how to present the gospel in a manner that is faithful and winsome. You're gonna be challenged to identify and pray for and witness to people around you who don't yet know Christ because the reality is people need Jesus, right? It's not just people out there, like we need Jesus, right? Aren't you glad somebody ever shared Christ with you? I'm so glad that somebody shared Christ with me. Now, we need to be the people who share Christ with others. Just like we want to be people who are personally evangelizing, we also want to be people who are personally engaged with disciple making. I I heard a preacher say this one time, and it always kind of stuck with me. He said, look, if you birth it, you raise it. Right? No deadbeat Christians. Like if you're if God uses you in the you know the process of, of making somebody born again, then don't just kind of you know abandon that person. If you part if you're part of the birth process, you need to be part of the raising process. We need to make disciples personally. Um, I a couple weeks ago I've had I've had a couple young men in our church come to me and they said, Hey, you know what? Like I need somebody older and more mature in the faith to come alongside me. I, I remember um, hearing that, and I loved their heart's desire. Uh, this past week, I got on the phone with an older gentleman in our church, and I said, hey, you know what? We've had two people who have, two young guys that have come to me and said they need an older, wiser mentor, discipler in their life. Would you pray about that? He said, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll pray about it. I'll call you back on Friday. This past Friday, he calls me. He's like, I'm in. I'm in. I want to bring these two guys under my wing. Okay, uh, here's the thing. Wouldn't it be awesome if we had a church full of that going on? Man, that'd be awesome, right? Um, I know that some of you, if you can be anything like me, you might hear that, you might get a little nervous. And you might think to yourself, I don't know. I, I still have questions about my faith. I, I can be a little weak in my faith. Here's what I, if that's you and you feel nervous about sharing the gospel or discipling other people, let me just give you one little drop of encouragement today from God's word. We just read the Great Commission, okay? Matthew 28, 18 through 20. But if you just look one verse back, into verse 17. If you still have your Bible, just look there right now. Verse 17. Remember, Jesus came to them, and it says, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Who are the some, right? The some who doubted are the 11 disciples who ended up going into the world, preaching the gospel, and turning the world upside down. Do you think God can do something with somebody whose faith is weak and has moments of doubt? Listen to me. You may have moments where you feel like your faith is weak. And you may have moments where you feel like, you know what, I don't know if the Lord can use me because I just don't have it all figured out. He turned the world upside down with some people who doubted. He can do it for you. He can do it with you. Let that be a comfort to your heart. So, we want to pursue Christ individually. We want to be uh, individually about making him known through personal evangelism and, and, uh, and through personal disciple making. But what about collectively as a church? What are we gonna be focusing on as a whole church? Well, collectively, we're gonna be engaging in church planting and revitalization as well as global missions mobilization. All right, those are a lot of big words with some Asians on the end. Just hang tight. Church planting and revitalization. Let me just talk to you about this for a minute. Guys, if we get serious about making disciples, if we become disciples who make disciples, you know what's gonna happen? Jesus is gonna make some churches, right? When, when groups of people become disciples, serious about disciple making, the group grows, and all of a sudden you have a community of believers. 
That's how churches really form, healthy churches start. Yes, right now we are at, we have a, a goal in front of us to add on to our church building here so that we can bring more people into know Christ. I want you guys to hear this from me. That's step one. Step two, after we add on, after this, is I'm asking the Lord to make us serious about church planting and church revitalization. That the Lord would bring to us a community of believers who are so serious about disciple making that we just can't keep up with it here. We've got to go do it in other places because we just run out of room here, you know? Um, Guys, there are zip codes in the greater Dayton area that at this point, to the best of our knowledge, they appear to not have a Jesus-loving, Bible-preaching, you know, faithful church. There are zip codes in the greater Dayton area that appear to be that way. Now, we may look into that a little bit further, and we might say, you know what? Our research is wrong. But right now, there are a handful of zip codes that we're targeting, saying, like, Lord, do you want us to maybe work with some other churches or be part of church plants in those areas? Guys, there are dozens of churches in the greater Dayton area, just in our local association of churches, dozens of churches that are dying out. If something doesn't change within them over the next 10 years, they're going to fizzle out as a church. Wouldn't it be pretty amazing if part of the future that God has for UBC is to kind of grow enough people here, serious, healthy, faithful disciples, so that we can, over time, send out teams and groups of people to be part of church plants and church revitalizations. We'd love it. We'd love it. We're gonna be, you're going to be challenged with that over the next couple years. We're going to invite church planters in, and they can present their vision to you, and we're going to ask some of you to pray about going with them and starting these churches. Those of you who are college students, you're going to hear a repeated call for us to say, hey, you know what? When you graduate, yes, the Lord's probably going to put you into a career. Would you consider choosing your career in a location where we can partner you with a church planter so that you can be part of a church planting team where you go? Right? Those are the types of things that I'm excited about. You're going to see that we're not just going to be focused on church planting and revitalization. You're going to see we're going to be focused on global missions um, and, and really calling people to uh, participate in global missions mobilization. You heard the financial goal on the video. Part of our financial goal is to get $500,000 to support missions efforts, church planting efforts, global missionary partners around the world. Um, guys, I'm excited to take on more missionaries that we support. I'm excited to be part of resourcing people who are making disciples around the world. But here's the thing. I hope we take it a little more personally than just giving our money to them. I'm wondering if the Lord might call some of you over the next couple years to take your first ever mission trip. I'm wondering if the Lord might call some of you like he did for Bryce and Natasha and Natir to leave the comforts of the United States and to go to another country to be a missionary. Who knows what the Lord might do? But we're gonna start emphasizing the call for global missions mobilization. To be a wholehearted disciple of Jesus Christ, you must know him and make him known missionally by taking the gospel to the unreached and making disciples of Jesus Christ. Why is this important? What are our two reasons? Because Jesus claimed to have all authority and he's given us our mission and because Jesus cares for the unreached and he wants us to be part of reaching them. Now, as we wrap up here, I in just a moment I wanna pray and I wanna commit these next five weeks to the Lord in prayer. But before I do, I want to ask two things of you today, two requests of you today. The first one is this. Will you 
open your heart to the Lord today? Will you today open your heart and say, Lord, whatever you call me to do, I'll do. Wherever you call me to go, I'll go. Whoever you want me to share with, I'll share. Lord, I want my heart to be totally open to you. We've, we've kicked off this Make Him Known campaign, this initiative today. We've kicked that off today. But I hope that you take a step of opening your heart every day for the next month. I hope that when we get to October 31st, Commitment Sunday, yes, I hope that you take your commitment card and I hope you have a financial commitment that you're willing to, to commit to because the Lord has led you. But I also hope that your heart stays open to say, Lord, it's not just about money. I, I want to serve how you want me to serve. I want to go where you want me to go. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to do it for your glory. So my request is simple. Today, would you be willing to, in your heart, say, Lord, my heart's open to you. I'm committed to working through the, the daily prayer guide. I'm committed to working through the assignments that are on here because, Lord, I want to I hear from you. And I want to do what you call me to do. That, that's request number one from you today. Will you internally commit to opening your heart? Commitment number two is something that we don't usually do, but I want to give it a try here today. I'd like to ask you if, to make a public commitment. I'd like to ask you to make a public commitment. After I pray, I'm going to invite anybody who feels led to just come forward to our tables up here. And on these tables, we have these little magnets, these little circular magnets that kind of show our, our seal of, that says to know him and make him known. And I'm wondering if you would come forward as a symbol of your openness to the Lord's stirring in your heart and just say, you know what, I'm gonna take this magnet, I'm gonna put it somewhere where I see it every day, on my fridge, on my desk, on my dashboard in my car, you know, wherever you see it every day as a reminder to say, Lord, open my heart so that I am a person who knows you and makes you known. If you are at a spot today where you know your heart is open to that and you're willing to just kind of publicly come commit to that, then after I pray, when you feel led, when you're ready, just come up to the tables here and grab one of these and just take it back to your seat as a symbol of your public commitment. That's request number two. But I wanna come back to the why. Why am I asking you to do this? Guys, there are 7,000 unreached people groups around the world. 4,000 of them have never heard the name of Jesus. Guys, there are 143,000 lost people in Greene County. 38,000 of them here in Beaver Creek. Guys, in addition to that, there's probably 300 children and, and teenagers in our church who we want to see them grow up to know Christ and make him known. If we want to see them know Christ, then we need to be a people committed to making Christ known. It's why we're here. It's why you're here. Now let's pray and see what the Lord would have for us over the next five weeks. Lord, we commit ourselves to you this morning. Um, at least, Lord, I, I ask that you would open our hearts so that we would surrender. Surrender our reluctance to you, Lord. Surrender our comfortabilities to you. Surrender the things that we tend to hold back because we don't know what you'll call, call us to do. Lord, um, we want to have open hearts. Um, Lord, I know that, uh, that you want to make your name great in Beaver Creek and Dayton and around the world. And Lord, I know that we're not the only church that's serious about your name and your glory, but Lord, would you use our little church? Would you use our people? 
Would you use us, Lord, individually to live under your authority, to live in obedience, glad obedience to your command to make you known? Would you give us a heart that moves when we hear about the magnitude of lost people locally and globally? And Lord, would you make us a church on mission? Lord, thank you that you gave your church a mission. We want to join in it. We want to be individuals and disciples who make you known missionally in the world. Lord Jesus, move our hearts toward that end. We thank you for all that you've done in us. And now, Lord, we ask that you would do something powerful through us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.